Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. I would say just based on this interview alone, what came out of me was a lot about confronting your fears and not letting your fear hold you back. Whether that's fear of failure, fear of networking, fear of disappointment, or even keep you like lower. Like you could be way up here if you confronted your fear. So it's not like you're stuck, like you're still going at this pace. But if you just said, you know what, who cares? And confront that fear. And you like shake the weight off of the fear and then you go faster when you're not carrying all that weight. Hot breath. What's goody, Hot breath verse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and here at Hot Breath, we are on a mission to cultivate the next generation of great comics. And our interview today is with one of the greats. And this interview was booked by you, the Hot breath verse a member of our Hot Breath Pro community, Bo Johnson, who... If you've been listening the past few weeks, he has been featured a few times the past few weeks, and this is not the last time you'll hear his name, but he reached out to me about wanting to get today's guest on the show, and I said, yeah, go for it, reach out. He reached out to her management, and they were able to schedule a time, so as a token of gratitude, I actually brought Bo on the show with us. A little into halfway of this interview, I will bring on Bo to answer some of his questions, and you, the hot breath of us, the questions that you had for our guest. So if you want to connect with me and Bo and other members of the hot breath of us, the best way to do that is in our free Facebook group linked in the description of this episode. We do daily writing clubs in there. We do feedback mics and so much more, all to help comics level up their comedy. So without further ado, this interview will also help you level up your comedy. We'll also learn about one of the most unique talents in this game. So, I say all that to say, there is only one thing left to do, and that is inhale a hot breath with Angela Johnson. All right, hot breath averse. Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and we here at Hot Breath are on a mission to cultivate the next generation of great self-made comics. Hey. Our guest today has paved a path for us all to follow. Back when she started comedy, the first joke she ever wrote in a free comedy class at her church ends up going viral, and what ensues is a self-made comedy empire that we are all so excited to learn from. So without further ado, welcome to the Hot breath of verse the one and only Miss Angela Johnson, everyone. Let's give it up for Angela, everyone. Thank you. That is an intro. That is, as you said, that was like, I want to meet her. Can she give me <laughs> ideas? <laughs> That's so funny that like... Getting to interview comics at your level, like even Jeff Foxworthy was like, I was hearing that intro, like, well, who is he about to bring to the stage? It's like, yeah, even yeah, at yeah. your level, you still have that mindset? Never ends. And that's what um, is such a great thing to keep in mind is that we are all human 
and our insecurities don't leave once you hit a level of success. Like there's always a next level and a next level. Am I good enough to go to this goal? Am I good enough to go to this goal? Like it never ends. It's, mm. it's one of those things where you just got to work on your inner peace and having joy come from within and not external circumstances, not victories in I booked this or I sold out this show. Like, yes, we, we celebrate those things and we experience joy from them, but having your source be from within. So it never is determined on where you're at in your career because there's always somebody better than you. There's always somebody more successful than you, more money, more bookings, more followers more funnier jokes, mm -hmm. like all the things, all the things. So sorry, I went on a tangent immediately. Like, <laughs> no, you're great. No, we appreciate it. And people are saying that they can't hear you. So let me see oh, what's happening. Did I get my <laughs> After that whole, um, I think it's something on my end. It might be, I, it could be my computer because I just did, is my volume low or they can't hear me at all? My volume I think it's low. just like, um, I think it's on my end. I'm going to um, see. Give it a shot now. Hello, testing. One, two, three. There we go. All right. We can okay. hear you now. That was on my end. Going through Zoom, there's always something you have to like uh -huh. patch. I'm a comedian. I'm not IT, but I'm figuring I it out here. Well, <laughs> they, can, they can watch the replay of what I just said. <laughs> yes. This will be on the podcast as well. Yeah. But she was yeah, basically yeah. saying, yeah, focus on yourself and what you can do. Mm -hmm. Yes. And something you really do focus on is family, um, which I really am mindful of in my career. Even backstage, we were sh like sharing our dogs with each other. And I know you take your dogs on tour and all that. And what I wanted to jump into first was with a question from my mom, uh, as we're speaking of family. Uh, she's a huge fan. My sister, I'm a huge fan. Our family Thank is you. a huge fan. And I really learned from you also just from your pursuit of making, wanting to entertain everyone and keeping it family friendly and all of that. But to focus on family and the influence, my mom has had a huge influence on my comedy. And I know yours she didn't really like you watching BET Comic View and things like that. Mm -hmm. But was there something that she said to you or advice she gave you or someone else in your family that kind of was a, like a jumping off point for your career? Well, um, I would say when I decided that I was going to move to Hollywood and pursue my dreams, mm -hmm. um, my sister was really the only one that was like, yes, go for it. Like, do it. And, and it wasn't even like, she was like, Oh my God, yes, you're going to be the most famous person in the world. Like you're so talented, go get it. It wasn't even that. It was just like, why not? Yeah. Go try, yeah. go try. And like, that is so empowering when you can be like in your head about a big decision that you need to make. And just to have a person like confirm, like, why not? Why not you? Yeah. You know, like that is just like all the weight goes and you go, oh yeah, why not me? If she can do it, if he can do it, how come I can't? You know, like, so I think it was my sister probably being like, yes, go try it, do it. But did you have like imposter syndrome is something a lot of us struggle with, especially you first joke you write goes viral. I mean, there's time in between there, but it's like, did you have imposter syndrome you had to overcome? Every day, every day, especially because exactly what you just said, like I skyrocketed off of a viral video and 
for me, I did the work afterwards and I wrote material and I toured and I hustled, but getting to that like break, I know there's so many comics who went through years and years of, you know, MC feature, like driving their car six hours just to get a 15 minute spot. And then when they yeah. get there, they bomb, but then they still drive six hours to the next one. And like, you know, people like really paid some dues to get to where I was starting. Mm-hmm. So I knew that my dues looked differently. And it was kind of like when I got to where I was, that's when the work ethic came in. Because sometimes if you hit success too soon, you don't have the character to sustain it. You don't have the work ethic to sustain it. But for me, I I had those things. I had a good head on my shoulders. I had my intentions right. I had work ethic. I had character. I had faith. I had um, all of those things that sustained where I was. And I had my eye on the prize. I had goals. I wasn't swayed by like party over here or let's just get wasted and then wake up late for a press the next morning or whatever. Like I was very responsible with this gift that I had been given mm-hmm. and made sure that I stewarded it well so that I could continue to grow and and earn things from there, you know? Sounds like you're very organized. I mean, sure. Yeah. You said you have goals. A lot of times comics are like, well, I'll just do this six hour gig for 50 bucks because that's what we got to do. But it seems like with the internet, and you're an example of that, we can create our own success with the right intention behind it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Intention, um, eye on the prize, like bigger picture understanding like maybe you you put all this work into creating this video and it Mm -hmm. doesn't go viral that doesn't mean give up that just means make a few more because when somebody sees that and goes oh that's kind of funny i wonder if they have anything else and they look for something else like Mm -hmm. oh that's kind of funny too and then i'm gonna follow them on instagram just and see and then like a couple months later you show up in their feed and then here's your other video that you just made that is funnier than the other ones and now they're like oh my god i'm gonna send this one to all my friends but if you were like oh see i put all this work into this video it didn't even go viral i've only got like 30 views on it like people don't like it like you you keep creating because you are a creative person Mm. and you put your creative art out there and then if people respond to it they respond to it it's really like that's not your business what they respond to if you're creating as a creative person when you put your authentic self out there hopefully people respond to it like "Ooh, that's good but the second you start creating to impress them to Mm. get their validation to get their view everybody's different you're not for everybody so then you're going to get insecure like it didn't work like i was trying to be what they wanted me to be and it didn't work well nobody wants you to be they want you to be you like show up and be you. When I first started stand up, I was trying to pretend I was super Mexican and I would all my early jokes. When I talk about my mom and my dad, they have an accent and they're very like, I meet God, you threw the ball over there. And like all this stuff. My mom does not speak Spanish at all. My dad does not speak Spanish. I'm fourth generation Mexican. And it wasn't until I started like owning that. I still have people that their favorite jokes of mine is the one where, um, 
it's one of my first jokes where, and I'm talking about my mom and dad and their very Spanish accent and how I spank everybody's kids. Cause that's how Mexican people do it. And I still have people that are like, Oh my God, that's like my favorite joke. And I was like, wow, it's like my first one when I wasn't even being true to myself, but thank you. I'm glad you mm. responded to it and liked mm. it because I knew it was funny. It made people laugh. It just wasn't me. But when I started owning me and being just me, not who I thought they wanted me to be, but owning, I don't speak Spanish. Let me write a joke about how I don't speak Spanish instead of pretending that I speak Spanish and hope they don't catch me. So when I started owning that and being true to who I am, people respond to authenticity. People respond to that truth. And so that's when I really started to see like more growth. Ooh, how do you tap into that authenticity? I mean... Let's think about who are you? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? What, mm. what is your trauma from childhood? Do you have any? Um, what is the thing that gives you anxiety? Do you get anxiety? What is your quirk? What is the thing like Eminem yourself, like from eight mile where he comes into the battle and he just disses himself before the other guy can. He's like, yeah, I'm this, I'm poor, I'm this, all these things. And what's that guy going to say? He don't have anything to say now. You just clowned yourself. So it's like, think about what are all the things about you that self-deprecating, not in a way where it's like everybody in the audience is like, oh, bummer. Should we give this guy some antidepressant pills? Like he really needs some help. Like mm -hmm. not necessarily in that way, but finding the joy in making fun of yourself before someone else can. Like, let me just be vulnerable and authentic. Like I'm bow-legged that's not real sexy. Like I'm insecure about my bow legs. Like when I put my feet together, look, they do this. And then I show everybody like, so if somebody is in the audience looking like, Oh, she's super bow legged. And then I go, you guys, I'm bow legged. Like, look what happens with my legs. Like I look like a camel and like all these things. And it's like, Oh my God, she does look like a camel and whatever it is. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm being authentic to who I am because I actually am insecure about my bow legs. Like if I wasn't insecure about it, didn't care, then I won't pretend to be insecure about it, but I actually am. So let me just be honest about that. I'm insecure that I don't speak, I'm embarrassed that I don't speak Spanish. Everybody stop looking at me, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> like that, I've done that on stage before because that's my actual feelings. Like I'm embarrassed that I don't speak Spanish and everybody's looking at me and they're judging me. Stop judging me, everybody. And that's just being authentic. That's just being what I actually think and feel. Yeah, that's what Ron Funches told us on here was he really found a breakthrough when he started talking about what embarrassed him. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So just being willing to tap into that, <laughs> I guess. It gets easier the more you do it, I would imagine, but it's first setting the intention to write about embarrassing things. That's good. That's a good note for even me writing more material. Like, hmm, what embarrasses me? Do you do pen to paper? Like, are you a writer, writer, writer? <laughs> a writer, have, writer, writer. Okay. I have my notes in my phone. Mm -hmm. um, and I started this note so long ago that I don't even know. Like, there's jokes in here from my, like, hour special, like, two hours ago. Oh, my in gosh. Here as, like, premises, right? Mm -hmm. But I just, like, it just goes. <laughs> and these are like all like my notes but then wow. when i'm actually writing out like my set list i do that on paper and i write out my set list so i can organize 
I like my sets, every story kind of flows into the next, like whatever this story is, however that ends, that sentence is going to lead you into the next story. So mm -hmm. I, I like to have my set like that. So I'll write it out. Um, every now and then I will write out the actual words of the joke. Um, but I like to say it out loud and audio record myself. Um, because I like to listen back to it. If I'm driving, I'll listen to myself. So I have like, these are all my voice notes here. And like, I just record my ideas. I record my sets of my show. Let me show you how far back this goes. I have, I recorded at, uh, I did a show at Paula Casino in March 19th, 2016. That's my That's audio. how far back it goes. That's my audio from that show. Wow. Virginia Beach, June 2016. New Jersey, September 2016. Like, Do you listen to all of your sets? Are you that disciplined? So not all of them, but I keep them. I record them in the event that I say something funny crowd work that I want to remember. Oh. And so this one time, uh, sometimes I get uninspired to write anything. And I just coast on what I have. And, um, I got to this show is in Virginia beach actually. And I'm on stage. And then my memory, it starts coming back to me. Like, I remember this stage. I remember this room. I remember the tables here and the tables here. So I'm on stage and I'm saying this joke. And as I say the joke, I remember I have said this joke in this room before. So right in that moment, I'm remembering, uh-oh, Am I doing the whole same show that I did last time I was here? Like, that is not good. <gasps> so I finished doing the show. I start adding in a little crowd work just in case. I'm like, just in case I already did this show here, let me just, like, do some crowd work and have something special happen in that moment for the show. I get off stage. I go straight to the green room, and I pull out my phone, and I look for my audio from the last time I was in Virginia Beach, and I listen to it, and sure enough, I was doing almost the same exact show. And I was like, oh my God, this is not good. I cannot do this. That night I go and I start going through my premises. What, what premises do I have that I have not even worked on? Because I need to start, let me think of one punchline and at least say that and then start doing some crowd work and like work it out on stage. And then it becomes like my open mic kind of. So mm. like the second show is like, all right, here's a premise. Let's hope something funny comes out. And then the next day I go to coffee with my opener, with my road manager. And then we sit there. I'm like, okay, you guys, here's my premises. Help me go somewhere with this. This is what I'm thinking. And they're like, okay, well, have you thought about this? Like, Ooh, that's good. And let me try that. And then now we go back into writing mode. And now the weekend has turned into a writing weekend and not a coasting weekend. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you collaborate on your writing a lot? I started to incorporate collaborating in the last four years for sure, because um, one, I love community and I love, uh, bouncing ideas. And I love when somebody gives me a tag, like I'm not the comedian that gets offended by that. Sometimes I won't take it because I'm like, Oh, that's actually not my voice. Like mm -hmm. I see what you're going with, but that's not my voice. But I feel like when I have, I have very few guys that I work with that know my voice so that as soon as I get off stage, when they pitch me something, I'm like, oh my God, yes, I would so say that. And so when I started embracing that, instead of being prideful, no, this is just me. 
And here's another thing too about being prideful. I felt like I had something to prove because I was a girl doing stand-up and because I blew up so quickly. So for a long time, I was trying to prove I'm doing this on my own. Like nobody's helping me. Nobody's ghost writing for me. Nobody's showing up like and doing the job for me. I am doing this. So it was like, I was trying to prove to people like, no, I can do this. But then after a while, it was becoming like exhausting. Um, if I was feeling not motivated to write, then I started developing an unhealthy relationship with writing because hmm. my motivation to write was shame and guilt because I should have a new joke by now. I should be a creative person. How come you're not using your creativity to be writing? Like, this is a gift that you have. Like, how come you're not doing it? And then all this guilt and shame to try to motivate. Oh, you're right, self. I should be, I should be doing that. And then so I start writing as opposed to embracing where you are and feeling joy for your gift and letting the overflow of joy in your life be what ends up on paper, you know? So mm. I felt like when I was doing it on my own, my motivation was like, I don't really have anything, but I need to find something like, okay, and write it out. When I'm just out living my life with people that I trust, my openers that I trust, my friends that I trust, and we go and we have coffee the next day after a Friday night show, and we sit in a coffee shop for four hours, and we're just talking, and they're helping me figure out my premise, and we're like laughing, telling childhood stories, and we're like, that's good, you gotta try that tonight. Like, okay, good. Like that feels good and that's fun and that's exciting to go on stage and try it that night and be like, okay, so that one didn't work. Like what else could I do? And that collaborative energy is fun for me. Um, but it took a while to get to that place of putting my pride down and who cares what other people think about my process, you know? Yeah, that's why we do a daily writing club every day here at Hot Breath is we live stream a random word and then we write a new joke in 10 minutes. It's called the Write 10 Club. And it's like a collaborative like community just trying to write a new joke in every single day. It's been, it's been a great community builder for sure. I love that. And then who gets to say the joke? What do you do? It just lives on we, we post them in the Facebook group and people can give each other feedback and likes and things like that. And I'll read them live on the air on YouTube and give feedback oh, on them as well. Okay, so everybody, so you say the word, the word is water. And then everybody writes their own joke about water. And then we set a 10 minute timer and then we all write for 10 minutes. And then we have like a new joke at the end. Jokes, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'm, I'm hosting this and people are writing jokes like, so it's amazing the amount of comics we've been able to like connect around the world in here. And it's been humbling to write a new joke in 10 minutes. I'm like, I've been doing this 10 years and I'm trying to figure out how to make this funny. It's just, yeah. it's a good experience. That is so cool. What a great idea. It really started with quarantine of like uh, all my road work disappeared. So I was like, well, I need some sort of accountability, accountability. Let me start writing online. And now it grew into this writing club and this community and us meeting without, without uh, the community, we would not have met yet. So it's great. I love that. I love that. Well, how many people are in that club? We have 2000 people in our Facebook group. The, the club gets around the, uh, we've been around 80 to 90 right now. Live streaming, so cool. writing together. I love so that. It's, Great it's idea. Been building. And that's what we're, you talk about community and comedy. And that's something that like, 
I knew when I started out 10 years ago, it was a lot of competition. I wasn't the cool kid in my scene. You know, it was just a lot of like, I don't know, he may be funny, but it does he have an ironic beard? Can he get on this show type deal? You know, so I always just focused on getting funny first. Mm-hmm. And that's why now this community is like the scene I wish existed when I started. Yeah, that's so cool. I feel like, um, so community is big to me, but it's so interesting because when I first started, I had too much anxiety mm. and fear to embrace the stand-up community, if that makes sense. Like, um, I would go to the, you know, the improv in Hollywood, to the comedy store or Laugh Factory, and I would have too much, like I would project on to people. Oh, they don't like me because I blew up so fast and they're judging me. Or they don't think I'm funny because they're like super alt popular comics and I'm Mm -hmm. like making accents and stuff like that. So they probably don't respect me or like me. Um, I don't know, I don't know any friends there. Like I don't have any friends when I get there, I'm not gonna know anybody. So I'll just not go and then there would be times where I would force myself to go. I'm not even joking. I would have diarrhea every single time because I was so <laughs> nervous. I'm not joking. I would like be ready to gag and like throw up and like doing like breathing on my way to the local club scene because I had so much anxiety of being there. Mm. And I remember I would co- go to my manager and be like, should I be spending more time at the clubs? Like when I come home from the road? And he was like, no, like you don't need to. You're, you're on the road, it's fine. And he would be like, it's catty anyways. They're, everybody's just competing with themselves, like with, with each other. They're just competing with each other. Like it's you, you're already doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Like it was just like my out that I needed. Like I just needed somebody to co-sign that I don't need to be going to the clubs to hang right. out. So I was like, okay, cool. Then I won't go there. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm already, <laughs> like, I'm already on the road. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But really, there was a part of me that desired it, that wanted the friends, wanted the camaraderie, wanted all that. And watching the, um, the Comedy Store documentary. Yeah. On, on uh, what is it, Showtime? Yeah. Watching that was so inspiring and then also I got sad at the same time because I was like man I wish I would have faced my fear I wish I would have not given into anxiety I wish I would have just showed up more and challenged myself and made more friendships and relationships and I have friends now it in in comedy but I I don't have that like we grew up together in this club feeling you know mm-hmm. like we both started here and, and now look at us here. Like I don't have that with people. Um, and so that kind of makes me sad a little bit. So if anybody listening right now who gets nervous going to hang out at the club, I would challenge you face your fears, face your nerves, face your anxiety and just go and just show up and just talk to people and make relationships and try not to judge because we're all just doing our best to be funny and bring joy. So it's so tough to like it's like it seemed like what happened to you is like a a blessing and a curse in that like you had 12 minutes of material now nail salon 
or wait, which one went viral that took Nail you on the road? Nail salon. Nail salon first, right? Because I then knew Mad TV and then Bon Quee Quee. So then you have 12 minutes that you wrote at a free class at a church. Now you're a headliner with 12 minutes. I mean, that's like, that's unheard of until you like, so that's like, <laughs> it's tough to say I should do this path everyone else does when it's like, right. they're maybe thinking, but Angela just went viral and she's selling out everywhere. I need to be doing that. You know, so right. there's always two sides to the coin there. Exactly. And I wish I would have looked at it that way back then. But instead I was just like, oh, I'm nervous, anxiety. I don't feel good when I go to the club. So nah, I don't need to go. Mm-hmm. Bye. See you in Florida. <laughs> Sold out, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Here come my sold out shows. I don't want to do this open mic. I'm selling out around the country, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what was that transition, though? You have 12 minutes. Now you're a headliner. I would imagine there were some epic bombs in there somewhere. You know what's funny? Not too many. Yeah? Had some, for sure. But I feel like if I was bombing, I wouldn't keep doing it. Like, it mm. wasn't, I don't like doing things that I'm not good at. And I know a lot of comics are like, well, this is my dream. This is all I've ever wanted. So even if I bomb, I can't wait to try again and get better and get better. Stand up was not my dream and not the thing I wanted. It felt like, like something that I fell into. And um, it felt like stand up chose me more than I chose stand up. And so if I was bombing and not doing well, I wouldn't keep doing it because if mm-hmm. I didn't move to Hollywood to be a stand-up, I moved to Hollywood to be an actress. And I thought I was going to be on Law & Order SVU and play a rape victim and like win an Oscar and like all these things. Like I didn't know that I was going to be funny. And um, so I, I feel like stand-up kind of chose me. And if I was bombing, I wouldn't have kept going. You know, but I did have some bombs. So like probably one of my biggest bombs was a corporate show, but mm. you didn't bomb in a corporate show. Um, this was in Las Vegas and it was for a trucking company where 90% of the employees are male. My fan base is predominantly women. Um, women respond to the things that I talk about more so than men. So we get to this corporate event not only is cards are stacked against me because it's mostly dudes, but like truck driver dudes. Yeah. I don't think they want to hear about getting your nails done. Um, <laughs> not only that, they were currently in the bar, like with a DJ and music and all that kind of stuff. They stop the music and they go, everybody come over here to this conference room and we're going to have our stand up comedian now. And I was like, Oh no. And um, my opener goes up first. And I was like, well, you know what? At least they'll like him because he's a dude. So at least they'll get to laugh for him. And then I'll just figure it out. Mm -hmm. He gets on stage bombing. Just they don't even like him. And I was like, oh, this is going to be horrible. They're going to hate me. I get on stage. um, Not one laugh. Go to the next joke. Not one laugh. Not even chuckles. And it's like, wow, okay, let me go straight to like my Oakland Raiderette material because um, there's some like football jokes in there. So that's, you know, some guy stuff. So at least they'll laugh at the football jokes. I make fun of the Raiders, like everybody can laugh at the Raiders. And then um, I talk about being a Raiderette and there's like, you know, a couple things in there and maybe they'll be excited that I'm a Raiderette or something like that material, nothing, 
finally, when I start making fun of myself for bombing and for being there, when I start saying things like, listen, guys, I didn't book me for this. Okay. I don't want to be here. You don't want me to be here, but I'm here. Like, it's just what it, when I start making fun of myself, then I start getting chuckles. Like, then I start making fun of the woman who booked me. And I was like, girl, what were you thinking booking me for this? I am the absolute worst person you have could have booked for this party. Then they're laughing at that. I was supposed to do 45 minutes. I maybe did 20 minutes. And I look over at her and I was like, do you want me to keep going? And she was like, like <laughs> have a good night. See you guys later. And got my check and went out the back door. Still got paid. Hey, you better believe it. I showed up. I did my part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I love hearing the bombing stories. I feel like that's so important for young comics to hear is like, yeah, she's this, but every comic goes through these trials on stage. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's shows that I don't like where I'm like, oh, you guys are the worst. Like, but bombing, like actual, like the one I just shared with you, those were like far and few in between. Um, but there's definitely been shows where I'm like, are you guys in a bad mood? Did you decide together to be in a bad mood before you came to the show? Because mm -hmm. I don't like you guys. So I'm cutting my show short. So <laughs> I'm doing contractual time and that's it. You don't get exactly. no Exactly. Oh, I've done colleges and corporate gigs where I'm just like, all right, tick tock on the check. You know, I'm not saying it out loud, but I am just like, cool. yeah. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> exactly. And to think about like getting booked in the business side and uh, we do have some people asking questions, but I did want to ask you about the, your business sense. Cause you're like, you're very savvy. Even with like bone Quique, it could have been a character that you're known for on stage doing stand up. But then I think your husband inspires you to create an album and then you go on tour and there's merchandising and the business side, like, show business. You seem to have a really good grasp of both. What, what business tips could you share with this next generation of comics? Well, I think, um, we're all, you're always needing to evolve and grow in your business sense. And I feel like that's kind of where I am now currently is mm -hmm. looking at others. And it's that fine line of when you're looking to learn, and when you're looking because you're just comparing yourself now, that's where it's dangerous. So I watch and learn and I see other comics that I'm like, okay, they're popping off right now. Like, what are they doing? How did they do that? What are the ins and outs of that? And I start wondering. So you can just sit in that wonder and be like, uh, I could never figure that out. I don't know how to even start with that. Or you could pick up a phone and you can call if you don't know that person directly Maybe you know somebody who works with them and say, hey, what was it like when you all filmed that thing? Like, who put that together? Did y'all hire a production company? Or like, how did that work? And be humble enough to ask questions mm. and to not come in as like um, comparing or competing, but like, hey, what can I learn from you? Like humbling yourself. And how did you do that? Can you share how you did that? How many of us comics actually reach out to each other and say, how did you do that? Not many. Yeah. So I feel like it's really humbling yourself and watching and learning. And when you see somebody doing something that is intriguing to you, that you're like, I would want to do something like that. Then maybe send them a DM and say, Hey, 
Um, you're probably busy, I'm sure, but love what you've been doing. Just curious, like, how did you get started filming sketches? Like, what would be the first step to take? Any, anything you could offer would be greatly appreciated. I think you're a hilarious big fan. Take care. Like, that's it. And then maybe they respond to you. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're like, oh, yeah, I, uh, I watched and learned from Eric Schwartz. Eric Schwartz filming all his own stuff, has his own green screen in his house and like all the things like, oh yeah, maybe um, I went on the road with so-and-so and they taught me how to record my own show and, and upload it to YouTube. So I just started doing that. Oh, okay, cool. Like using each other as resources because mm -hmm. there's enough room for all of us to be successful. Like when you start hoarding your knowledge, hoarding your wisdom, hoarding your information for what? You already learned it. It's in you. Share it. If you don't share it while well, you're afraid they're going to pass you up because they took your wisdom and passed you up. That's their time. That's their journey. Then don't worry about what they're doing. You, you learned this. Now what else can you learn? Learn something new. You're going to ask this person, give me advice on this. Okay, cool. And then this person's going to ask you, can you give me advice on this? Yes. This is what I did. Yes. I love that. Yeah. That yeah, I love your collaborative, your community mindset. If, if someone is doing something you want to do, ask them how they did it. That's really what this podcast is in a lot of ways. An yeah. excuse to do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is the non, um, not confrontational. Like there's no, no risk in listening to your podcast and hearing somebody give advice. There's no risk in that, but maybe yeah. risk in other things. And send a DM, send a text, pick up the phone, whatever you can. And same thing, offer what you know to somebody else. Mm. Amen. So um, speaking of collaborating with others, this could be a good question coming in from Robin Sutton Clark asking, have you ever been sabotaged by another woman in comedy out of competition for the limited number of slots for women? And how do you rebuild that bridge? Um, I've never been sabotaged. I remember there was this one time I did a, a set at a local club and, um, I was practicing my late night set, which I didn't even end up booking after all, <laughs> but <laughs> did you get bumped? I was putting it. No, I, I put my show together and submitted it and they came back with notes on my set but the notes that they said to me, I felt was rewriting my joke and oh. I wasn't going to do that. And they thought it was just like, yeah, can you maybe make it more like this? And I was like, oh, like rewrite my joke? No, I'm good. Thank you though, bye. Um, so I never did it. <laughs> was wow. that good or bad? I don't know, but I just wasn't willing to change. Talk about self-awareness though. Most of us would bend to the will of a late night show. Yeah, whatever you say, for sure. Yeah, 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 that is funnier. Good idea. Good idea. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I was practicing my late night set at this one club. And um, it was like, okay, how do you want to be introduced? And I was like, oh, you could just say, um, she has a nail salon joke. And she has her special or something. I forget what it was. But it was very like, hey, you could just say this. Nail salon joke, whatever. Um, she goes on stage to introduce me. Before she introduces me, she does her own version of a nail salon joke. 
And I was all, oh, okay, that's, that's weird. I just don't want to, okay, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Maybe she was planning on doing that the whole time. Who cares? Then when she introduces me, it wasn't like she has a special on whatever, blah, 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 blah. It was, all right, this next comment coming to the stage, she says she has a special. <laughs> and I was all, I do, you could stream it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And I had never been like um, treated that way, but it was like subtle, but not. It was like one of those things where like, in girl talk, like if a girl who is not your friend says like, oh, sweetie, she don't be your sweet. That's her trying to be like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you're so cute. Like that's that. It was a little bit, I had never been treated that way before. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't know this person at all. Do you know them and, now? Yeah. So I'll come back around to that part. So I get up and I do my set and then everybody laughs. Everybody knew who I was. Everybody knew my nail salon joke. It was like, why would you waste your time doing a nail salon joke when you know I'm about to come up and be the nail salon joke? Like, mm -hmm. why would you do that to yourself at that point? <laughs> but anyway, so I did my set, left, never talked to her again for years and years and years. I was like, screw that girl. I don't know. You do you. Go have fun. Whatever. I'm going to live my life. Years later, we have mutual friends. I run into her at an event. And I'm just keeping my distance from her. Hey, how are you? Doing my little thing. And then she came up to me later in the night and apologized to me. And didn't address specifically when I said this and blah, 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 blah. But it was more so I apologize if I've ever said anything to offend you or disrespect you. Wow. Like, Thank you. I appreciate that. So now if I see her, we say what's up. Um... I'll like, like posts here and there and leave like a nice comment, stuff like that. But we're not like friends or anything. Who is it? Do we know her? I, I don't know. I, you probably do, but I would never say a name. <laughs> I love it. I love it though. Yeah. It's, it's unnecessary energy to even put out there. So yeah, exactly. I appreciate that. But you know, as a, as a journalist, you know, I'm going to, I'm not a journalist. <laughs> I'm a comic with a podcast, but um, to, to get Aren't into journalism here. <laughs> we're getting a lot of good stuff people don't know about you though this is great is when it comes to your characters uh and sandra's asking this i've heard you say bon Quique is like your brother and a lady you met at a, a memphis burger king mm -hmm. um how what is your process for developing characters you find common grounds like yeah what is yeah how do you actually develop a character that people connect with here's the funny thing about that I don't know because hmm. I don't really do characters like Bunkweekly is really my only character that I developed from Mad TV, but I never did like Second City or Groundlings or whatever to learn how to fully develop sketch characters. Like I don't know how to do that, but in my, my standup, in my writing, I like to do a lot of act outs. And so Within that, I start giving whatever person that I'm talking about um, character, but most of the people I'm talking about are real people. It's my brother. It's my sister. It's my grandpa. It's my dad. It's my mom. So I take their real essence and talk about them on stage. But Bonquicli is really, 
And and Tammy is not even really a character either. The nail salon, like, like she's um, the person that I interact with in the story, but I don't like develop her out and give her like you, dimensions. You know, mm-hmm. she's she's a character in a story. Whereas Bonquiqui is the only one that actually like lived on as her own person. With her. you can tell, this is how Bonquiqui thinks. This is the things that she'll say. This is where she came from. This is like you'll know all of that. But like with Tammy, you don't know how what her opinion is about this. You can probably guess what Bonquiqui's opinion is about Donald Trump, about whatever. You know what I mean? Um, but Bonquiqui. Yes, it was a mix of my brother and um, this girl at the Burger King in Memphis, Tennessee. But my brother, before he got sober, so Von Quickly is my brother before he got sober. Oh. So my brother was like no filter. He would say what everyone was thinking in the back of their mind, but would never say out loud. So like people would go, oh, when he would say things, but at the same time, they're like, oh my God, I was totally thinking that, but I would never say it. Like he was that guy. He's so funny and he would make up his own slang and his own things. And when he would say something, all his friends started saying it right after him. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like who Bon Quickly is. She makes up a slang word, <laughs> bah, whatever it is. She starts doing a thing. Everybody starts doing a thing. And that's my brother. My brother would start laughing a certain way. All his friends, all his coworkers. Now everyone laughs like him because he started doing this. <laughs> Now the whole workplace, everybody goes, mm-hmm, because it's just their thing. He would just do things and it was like sassy and it was funny and no filter. So a lot of things that Bonquiqui would say early on, they're from my brother's mouth. My brother would say it and I would go, oh my God, Bonquiqui's going to say that. Done in her mouth. Like, so that's what, where it's like, he was my biggest inspiration for it. And then her working at King Burger and being like the rude employee was the employee that I experienced in Memphis, Tennessee, who I was like, so I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, this is real life. You're a real person. You're really saying these things to me. Okay. This is, I've never experienced this. And it just stuck in my memory. And that was when I was in high school. Like I was like 17 when I had experienced that in Memphis, Tennessee. And then here I am in my twenties writing about that experience through my brother. Whoa, so that, it burned in your brain. I figured this was after you were pursuing comedy, but this is, you're not even a comic, but you're traumatized by this person. Yes, yes. (laughs) So you just pull like real life traits from people and then just put them all into one character. Yeah, pretty much, it makes sense, you know? Yeah, you make it sound so easy. Well, thank you. I mean, again, like I really just have that one character. All the rest are stories that I tell, you know. They're all personal, though, which is which is great and what all comics really strive for. Um, Let's see. A few more questions here. Are you good? Can you do a few more questions? Of course. Of course. Ooh, Hewlin Saunders asks, if you could tour with one comedian dead or alive right now, who would it be? I mean, honestly, I love my friend Joe Coy and we did a little BFF tour years ago and it did not do well, but we on purpose 
because I was doing well on my own. He was doing well on his own. So we're like, let's go to the markets where neither one of us do well and like try to build that together. Uh-huh. We thought that was the plan of all time. It didn't go well. It didn't, no. But, um, we were both, this is like years and years ago. So we were both like doing well in clubs, you know? Um, and it was fun because I love Joe. He loves me. We have such a great friendship. Like we're hilarious together. Like we're, we have so much fun together. Like that, if we could have done that more places mm-hmm. and had more fun and gone around the world, like that would have been amazing. Like if I could just open for him now, like all the things that he's doing now on his own, if he would just let me come and hang out, I would do that. That would be what, how bad did it get though? You're saying the tour didn't really work. Like, we are we talking like? We did two cities and it didn't uh-huh. do well, so we didn't do any more. <laughs> what were the sales like? Oh, awful. We did a theater in Detroit and not even the bottom half was. <laughs> like, it was awful. We I was like, how That's did they incredible. even let us show up? They should have canceled the show before we got here. What are we doing here? But it was fine. I think we did Detroit and Minneapolis, maybe. I don't remember the second show. I think it was Minneapolis. But yeah, we had a great time like hanging out and having fun. And our show was great. And and we did, oh, and we did one more more recently. So that was like when we weren't doing, we were doing well, but like he wasn't where he's at now. Mm-hmm. And then I was like selling out clubs, but wasn't really hitting the theaters hard yet. Then maybe it was like three years ago or four years ago, maybe three years ago, he and I did a show in Florida and that was fire. And we were both already like, both of us could have sold out that venue by ourselves. But so we came together for that show and it was like, we were co-headlining that show. So it was, it was a fun experience there. But um, that was just like a one-off show that we did together. But I love it's like two successful comics. You're like, we're not good in these markets. Maybe if we combine forces and work together, we could both help each other. It's like cool to even see comics, successful headliners like both of you still looking to like reach across the aisle and be like, hey, let's still help each other. That's that's so important for us to understand as comics. And it didn't work then. But also, if we would have put the energy and time and risk into figuring out why didn't it work? Did we not do the right press? Did we not Mm. give enough lead time for ticket sales? Like if we took some time to figure out, okay, why didn't we, why didn't this crack? Um, We could have figured out why it worked and and made something work, but you know, everything happens for a reason and, and it was supposed to happen this way. But yes, it's a great idea reaching across the aisle and maybe we could do it together, you know? And we are about to reach across the aisle of the Hot breath verse because the reason you're on the show today is because Hot Brethren, Bo Johnson, reached out to your people, reached out to your team, and made this interview happen. And what I want to do just as a, a gratitude is to actually bring him on the show live for him to meet yeah, you if you're it. good First with that. Of all, uh, hot Brethren, Hot Brethren yeah. is hilarious. And yeah, yeah, we got Hot Brethren and Sisterin in the Hot breath verse here. <laughs> Let's meet Bo. So let's welcome Bo Johnson. Come on in, buddy. Welcome to the party here. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. 
I'm in my normal spot at work. Where do you work? Uh, I work for a school. I was a teacher. Now I'm just a tech associate. Um, I kind of took a lower, lower paying job so I can make more time for comedy. Nice. So, yeah. So I just deal with computers all day right now. I'm in our newsroom um, to do this interview. I took a very late lunch so I could do this. Wow. Thanks for squeezing it in here, Bo. Do you have any questions for Angela? Um, well, you know, actually, since our first interview we did together, Joel, you, sin- you seem to take up my big questions. Um, <laughs> which he, I think he's even admitted that he does that. Um, yeah, well, so. that's, he told me his questions ahead of time, like the nail salon lady did for you. And I was like, I'm going to do all of Bo's questions to sabotage his set. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's thank that you. community. It's that. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's that, I just feed him all the information. And, you know. <laughs> like a really good producer um but but it's interesting that you said that um you went to hollywood to be an actress and then it just like comedy chose you yeah um how did that come about like like when did you figure out like okay this is what i'm supposed to do instead well let me tell you i'm still trying to be an actress (laughs) um i i'll tell you exactly when it changed for me so i did the whole class had the viral video it was like going around like crazy um i was doing little spots here and there around town uh at the improv or at like buzz cafe or at this little bar and whatever like um and then somebody hit me up on myspace remember MySpace? Somebody hit me up on MySpace and was like, hey, would you like to perform at our Mormon Christmas party? And I was like, sure, but I'm not Mormon. And they were like, oh, no, it's okay. We just need clean comedians. And I was like, okay, yeah, I could do that. And then um, so when I get there, they have like 10 other comics there. And they're like, okay, we're actually doing a comedy competition. And whoever wins gets like a cash prize. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. So I do this comedy competition and I tied for first place. So we split the money and I won $600. This was the most money I had ever made in my entire life in like one day in like doing a thing. Like I would get a $600 paycheck. I'll tell you this month. My whole paycheck for the Oakland Raiderettes, when I was a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiderettes, we went to the Super Bowl that year. It was the best year to pick to be a Super Bowl. I got paid $585 for that whole season. Here I am, just did 15 minutes of stand-up comedy at a Mormon Christmas party, and they gave me $600. It blew my mind to the point where I was like, wait, you can get paid this much money doing stand-up? I'm going to be a stand-up comedian. (laughs) and that's kind of when it switched for me I was like if I could make $600 every show I'm gonna try doing the stand-up thing I'm gonna do that and that's kind of when it shifted for me and I started because before I was like I'm not a stand-up comedian I just do this for fun I'm an actress and then after that kind of shifted and I was like oh I'm trying to be a stand-up comedian but also I'm trying to be an actress too and then it kind of became like stand-up what is what blew up and just the doors kept flying open for stand-up comedy stuff. And the whole time I'd be on the road, like doing shows, I was still looking over my shoulder back at Hollywood. Like, are you ready for me yet? And I was like, nope, not yet. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, then I'm still on the road. And then I would come home for pilot season and like book one, but then the pilot didn't get picked up. So I'm like, all right, back on the road, you know? So yeah, I, I moved here to be an actress. But once I went to a Mormon Christmas party, changed my whole ways. <laughs> 
Wow, that is interesting. So what is your writing process like? Um, I talk to myself. I talk out loud and then I record it. Um, if I make somebody laugh from an original thought that I just had, I will write that thought down in my notes if I remember it. Like sometimes I'm just in the moment and just having fun. And then other times I'm like, oh, that's funny. Let me write that down real quick. Um, like for instance, I was on FaceTime the other day with my cousin. It was her birthday. And I just called her to tell her happy birthday. And um, she said something about getting a COVID test and she was explaining how it felt. And then I was like tagging her story with funny things. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna write this down because your story with my tags is funny. Like she was just telling me like, uh, and then this and then that. And then I would say something funny to it. And then she was cracking up and then she would tell me more details and I would say something funny to that. And she was cracking up. I was like, you know, let me write this down really quick. <laughs> so it's like moments like that. Um, or it's rarely ever something funny happens. And I go, Oh, I'm going to talk about this funny thing that happened. It's a normal thing that happens. And my funny perspective on the normal thing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's rarely ever like, Going to get your nails done is not hilarious, but when you notice and observe that they're upselling me and they're doing it real secretively, like how do you ninja upsell me? Like you just complimented me of how I'm so pretty and then you got me to pay $6 more. How'd you do that? Like <laughs> observation and mm -hmm. highlighting that is what's funny, but just going to get your nails done is not funny. See, that's funny because I actually had a Vietnamese student whose parents owned a nail salon and he actually did tell me, he's like, whenever they do go from English to Vietnamese, they're, it's a 90% chance they're talking crap about you right now. Oh, for um, sure. I've heard that a lot too from my, I have friends who own nail salons. They've told me that they're like, for sure. I brought my, growing up, one of my best friends was Vietnamese. And so I took him with me to the nail salon and was like, okay, you're going to tell me what is happening. And he's like, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> They're for sure talking about you, but I, I'm sure there's times they're, they're not, but I, in my own case study that I did, I was given very pertinent information that this is what they said about you. And I'm like, I see you girl. That's what you really think about me, Tina. Okay. All right. then. Wow. That's, that is interesting. So with all the women that are watching right now, um, what advice would you have for them? do you and do you well and that's for everybody that's men and women that's you're trying to be a comedian you're trying to be something else you're trying to be an actress you're trying to own your own bakery whatever it is do you and do you well to the best of your ability because there's nobody else like you there's nobody else with your childhood there's nobody else with your part-time job there's nobody else with your car that you drive that breaks down all the time. There's nobody else with um, your abuse. There's nobody else with your faith. There's nobody else that has all the ingredients to the recipe that make you. Someone may have this part and this part, but they don't have these parts. They may have this and that, but they don't have the rest of the parts. So you as a person are so unique and special that nobody has you. So when I go into an audition and they're auditioning for Detective Rodriguez, I guarantee you when I get there, 
there's going to be 10 other girls that look just like me. And we're all going to be wearing a leather jacket, some jeans and boots. Guarantee you, because that's our Detective Rodriguez outfit. And when I get there and walk in, I can get in my head and be like, oh my gosh, we're, I'm a dime a dozen. Look, at, there's all of us. Like, they're probably going to like her better because she's taller and she looks more tough. So they're probably going to like her better. Probably going to like this one better because I've seen her on TV before. So she probably has more credits than me. Like, da-da-da-da-da. And I can get in my head about that. Or I can know and trust that when I walk into the audition room and when I say the same words that all the 10 other girls are saying, they're all going and saying the same words that I'm saying, I know that when I say them, I am saying them with all the ingredients of me behind it. So it sounds mm. different. It feels different. It comes off different. The look that I give with my trauma behind it, my childhood behind it is different than the way this girl did it. Who's taller than me because I am me. So when you show up and do you don't try to be the tall girl, don't try to be this one who's been on TV before. When you show up and do you and do you well to the best of your ability, don't hold back. Don't let fear keep you stuck. But you go and you confront your fears and you go past that and you show up and you do you to the best of your ability, then that's when magic happens. That's when you're undeniable because you're living in your true, authentic, most highest self. Wow, that's great. That's for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Any others, Bo? No, that that just that just set out that said it all. Yeah. How do you discover what you do well? You what makes you happy? What makes other people happy around you that you do? You know, if you cook your own pizza dough and every time you make pizza and your friends come over and like, hey, next time you make pizza, call me. I love it. Maybe there's something special in that. Maybe think about that. You know, everybody's like, oh my gosh, every time you come over, like, and you're talking about this, it's so inspiring. Every time I have a conversation with you, you're so inspiring. Maybe there's something in that. Maybe mm -hmm. you're good at inspiring people and coaching people and advising people. Who knows? I don't know. Like, whatever makes you happy and other people around you happy. There's probably a strength in that. Boom. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for all the help here, Bo. Hey, thank I you for making this happen. Me to come on. And thank you, thanks friend, for, Angela. Thanks for nominating me to be on the podcast. I don't know if it's because we share the last name or what. Hey, that's a, it's a powerful last name. It's a great last name, but knowing that you are such a popular, um, comic right now and even when i told my daughters like guess who i'm interviewing today angela johnson i want to watch so it's like because you 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 have this power to resonate with a lot of people and so i was like okay we have i have to make it my mission to get you on this show so thank you well tell your daughters i say hello or if they're watching this hello oh. thank you for being fans <laughs> yeah they are big they are huge fans when i when i told them they were like there's just no way i want to see this i want to be a part of it <laughs> It's like, well, that means I can't take off work and come home to do this because you will be able to Zoom bomb the whole thing. So <laughs> tell, tell your daughters to subscribe to the YouTube. <laughs> right, right. Now we're doing we'll, call to actions. We'll, 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 <laughs> right. We'll drive up subscriptions. Up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we could share this moment, Bo. That means even more now that I know that your daughters yeah. were so like into it as well. That's awesome. 
yeah, I mean, they were, they were very, well, I've, I've been trying to look around and see who's, who's really, you know, in everybody's viewpoint and who people are looking up to and um, how young, who you young comics can, you know, get the best advice from. And so I was like, okay, let's see if I can get Angela on. This will probably be like the biggest person I get on to our show. So, yeah. And you did it. Thank you for inviting me. You did it. Nice job, Thank you for coming on. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you. Y'all have a great day. All right. You too, buddy. Bye, Angela. Bye. See you, Joel. See ya. All right. Well, let's land this plane here. Uh, Miss, Miss Johnson here. Um, the final, um, it seems like the, you do, you, I usually ask comics to end with like their favorite advice for comedians, but it sounds like yours may be the you do well. Do you have any other kind of closing advice for comics? I mean, that's pretty much it. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I like to leave out on the floor for people. Um, and then I would say just based on this interview alone, what came out of me was a lot about confronting your fears and not letting your fear hold you back. Whether that's fear of failure, fear of networking, fear of disappointment, fear of anything, really. Just don't let fear keep you stuck or even keep you like lower. Like you could be way up here if you confronted your fear. So it's not like you're stuck, like you're still going at this pace, but if you just said, you know what, who cares and confront that fear and you like shake the weight off of the fear and then you go faster when you're not carrying all that weight. Mm -hmm. Well, you've helped a lot of comics today, Angela. Um, so for, grateful that I get to do that. Thank you. For, for comics who may be watching this later, would you mind like looking into the camera, saying your name and why comics should listen to Hot Breath? Hey, I'm Angela Johnson Reyes, and you should listen to Hot Breath because you're going to walk away with a lot of good information, inspiration, motivation. All the Asians are on this show, so you should really check it out. Oh, well, thank you. Let's give Angela a round of applause here. That is a loud sound effect I just did for people on the podcast. Sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, where can people um, support you, follow you? Also, are there any, my mom wanted to ask this, are there any causes near and dear to your heart that maybe we can help support as well? Yes, I sit on the board of an anti-human trafficking organization. It is called Unlikely Heroes. You can check them out, unlikelyheroes.com. You can Great. go to their Instagram, which is youheroes, um, H-E-R-O-E-S. Um, and yeah, so rescuing rescuing women and children from sex slavery um and you can you can find me on instagram angela johnson on instagram i do a ghost stories turning it into a podcast but it's like a live show on youtube and facebook and stuff we do it every other friday um, you can check out archived episodes on my youtube channel and it's just ghost stories with angela and i bring on a special guest each episode. A lot of comedians have come on, a couple of my actor friends have come on, um, and they share a ghost story with me, and then I take <laughs> calls from fans, and fans will jump on to my live, and kind of like we just had Bo on, they will come on and, and share their story of a real ghost interaction that they had. Um, so that's Ghost Stories with Angela. I have a podcast that's called Nights at the Round Table, which is more of a faith relationship 
um, deconstruction of all of those things and reconstruction yeah. of all of those things. So it's kind of a deeper podcast where I take a look at my faith and what I believe and why I believe it and what I don't believe anymore. And, mm. um, and relationships. I, it's my husband and myself and one of our best friends, Brandon, and we come on, we interview different people from different walks of life. But a lot of times it's just us talking about, you know, what, why, how has politics ruined the church and that kind of stuff. We, we, we're not a political podcast by any means, but like, that was like one episode where we're ta- we talk about our faith. So we're like, okay, like there's a lot of people leaving the church because y'all are like pledging allegiance to politics and not just God, you know, mm-hmm. like you, are you worshiping God or the president? Which one are you going to do? Pick one. Cause you can't do both you know and so saying some things like that that you're not really hearing in church and asking some questions that maybe in church you're not supposed to ask this question and we're like wait a minute are you really not supposed to do this like is that like real faith or is that just christian culture that we have adopted as gospel like whatever so we'll talk about that kind of stuff and and just like is it okay to check out someone else if you're married like what's that like and whatever. It's just, yeah. I don't know if people understand how like your transition from like you, like you wrote jokes and then went viral, but in between there you're living on granola bars and Cheerios and ramen. And you're actually working on your faith in that moment. And it, you said that it like almost prepared you for the success you had because you were working on that faith, journaling, praying, like listening to music. You really cultivated that relationship and do you credit that for what like created the success? I mean, that seemed like a very pivotal moment in your career. Definitely part of the foundation for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, when you build your business on a solid foundation, it helps it to sustain longer, you know, as opposed to building it in sand or building it with, you know, oh, you didn't put the right beams in, you didn't put the right bars in, whatever. Like for me, all of those things, like, praying and journaling and all of that are just like steel beams going into my foundation. So not necessarily the credit goes to these things that made me who I am, but definitely part of the foundation that's building me up stronger, building my character, building like who I am, like stand for something or you'll fall for anything, you know, like that whole thing. Um, And even that has evolved, like the things that I stand for, the things that I believe, the things that I proclaim have evolved over the years and so it's kind of that message as well beautiful all right well we have we have taken up enough of your time angela this was amazing we will link all of the the causes you said as well as like all your social media and your podcasts and we'll be sure to link all that in the show notes for people to support but thank you for helping the next generation of comics here angela my pleasure thank you for having me all right everyone have a good day out there hot breath of verse bye There you have it, Hot Breath of Verse. If this is your first time listening to us, go ahead and subscribe. Check out our YouTube channel. We have over 300 interviews with comics like Angela, all on the mission of cultivating the next generation of great comics. We'd love to connect with you. I would love to learn more about you. Please reach out on social media. Go join our Facebook group if you want to level up your comedy or just learn more about how to get into comedy. A lot of members have never even done stand-up before, but they're curious fans. And if that's you, or you're an aspiring comic, or you're a currently working comic, we welcome all levels in there. So come on over, hang out with us, 
in our daily joke contest. And you heard me mention the Hot Breath Pro community that I'm a member of, that Bo is a member of, and so many other comics. That is our comedian incubator. We are on a mission of helping create the next generation of great comics, and through that, it is giving comics the tools they need to level up their writing and the network to help them become professionals faster. If that's something that you're interested in joining, we have comics at every level from late night appearances to never even done an open mic all in there to support each other in a positive and productive community. So if that sounds like something that would help your comedy, click the link in the description that says join Hot Breath Pro and I look forward to seeing you there. But until then, I always end these episodes by thanking my wife. She made the theme song and thank you Hot Breath Averse for being a part of helping cultivate the next generation of great comics. So until next Monday, right here on Hot Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.